from the darkness between the stars comes your voice from the void. A place for conversations on the occult and the esoteric. Thank you for tuning in to this strange signal. Welcome back to that strange signal from a lonely star. I am your voice from the void. And with me this week is Chloe Smith. How are you doing, Chloe? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And Chloe is coming to us from, I believe, Wales. Is that correct? Halli- Halifax. Halifax. New uh, England. Yes, my English geography is unfortunately not the greatest in the world. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, well, let's start by having you give the audience a, a little information about yourself, um, how long you've been practicing, exactly how you characterize your practice, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I've always been interested in magic. I read a set of books by Kate T and Uncle Wick when I was about 13, and it got me interested in thinking, Does, is magic actually real, or is it all just made up? Um, from then I read bits and pieces, but it wasn't until I went to um, North Wales, Bangor University, and met my best friend, Dear Earth Religions, when I was 19, that I started um, fully practicing and, ex- and exploring magic. So that will be um, 11 to 12 years ago. And since then, um, I follow more of an eclectic path. I don't follow any one particular um, path. And at the moment, I'm doing, I'm on a two-year shamanic course. I'm in the second year of that, and hopefully when I've completed it, I will carry on doing more. I want to do the medicine wheel and soul regeneration. So I think, although I do practice magic, especially a lot of divination tarot, doing a lot of energy work, rituals, I do a big part of my practice now um, is through the shamanic realms and journeying and doing healings for us that way. Very interesting. And you said that you are uh, in the middle of a shamanic course, a two-year path. Yes. Is that something you're being guided through or is it something that you're self-guiding through? Um, there's two teachers called Rick and Sheila. They did theirs in Glastonbury and they're fully qualified. So a few times a year we generally meet up for weekends and then they give us module work to do and case study work to do throughout the year to help develop our skills. So there's a group, there was a group of 10 of us in the first year and it dropped to six. I see a little bit of a winnowing then. So, you know, pardon me for saying this, but 11 years or so is is kind of young into it. Did you have any inklings before other than just being curious? Or did you have any experiences in your youth that you can can say was something trying to reach out for you or anything like that? Almost like a recruitment sort of thing? In terms of my 
as a child, as children, that you have imaginations and you feel connected to things. A part of me almost just didn't grow out of that curiosity, believing in fairies um, and that there were other things. Um, I've had a connection with nature. I could feel the I feel energy like an, it's a bit like an electrical charge. Um, but I didn't realise that was energy and that was magic and um, that was just um that's just how i felt it wasn't until i got older um and started um to read more about things that things made sense the, my thoughts my feelings the, what who i was and how i felt about things kind of seemed to fit into more of a magical pagan path opposed to anything else and you said that you follow a very eclectic path. So aside from the shaman work you do, it involves some other traditions. How did you go about assembling these various traditions into your own willworking? Um, when I first started reading books, it was Wicca-based. Um, that was the introductory kind of textbooks. And um, for me, I, for me, it didn't, I suppose, I believed in other gods and goddesses, so I believed in like Norse gods, um, like Freya or Odin. I believed in reincarnation. I believed in um, Hindu gods like Lakshmi, Shiva. So, although Wicca was how I got into or reading books about Wicca, kind of was the first thing that exposed um, what I liked about paganism was that you didn't have a conscriptive path to follow you weren't having somebody at the top saying this is what you should do and this is how you should pray this is how you should worship this is what you should do um and the more and more i started reading about it and the more people i met luckily where i live um in halifax in england there are lots and lots of moots um so you get exposed to lots of different people, lots of different beliefs and ways and traditions. And so I just kind of felt like this was the path for me because I could just choose what I wanted that fell, fell in with me and fell in with my authentic self. And if anybody else had a problem with it, well, that was definitely, but this is the path that felt right for me. And I do think that that is very important is finding something that feels right for you, feeling, finding something that you fit in. And it also sounds very lucky, I guess, is the term I'll use, even though I don't really like that term for this, that you were in a place where you could find mentorship amongst the various pathways. Because um, I know a lot of people, especially over here, I think in the States more so than in UK, um, often wind up having, and even myself, uh, we have to self-direct. I have never really served an apprenticeship or under the mentorship of anybody. Uh, I have various friends who have been in it for as long as I have, and we've helped each other along the path as we could with our incomplete understanding, such as uh, you mentioned Deanne. So my first guest, Dr. Deanne Bell, and I um, have known each other for years and have worked together and, and answered questions for each other as we could. 
so it's it's more of a hope you fall in with a good sort of people but it sounds like you had much more opportunity for that yeah a lot of it was self-exploratory at first like i said i met d and i knew i knew from a past life and because she was new to the uk university we just kind of um started becoming friends and she did teach me a lot and now we're at a level where we teach each other these very i do most of the work um, as a solitary practitioner and i will work with d um, and maybe occasionally other people but I'm, i suppose i'm very choosy about who i want to work with and who i want to um share my energies with so um i, I am lucky that i am doing this shamanic path i feel like the great spirit has called me to do it and that's why I am, but I suppose if the group hadn't have been available, I would have just learned how to do it myself. May have been a very different path, but um, I think if it was truly meant to do this calling, then I would have made it work whether I had oh, yeah. um, official teachers or not. Yeah, that's a very good way to look at it too. I, I do think that the if these higher powers take an interest in you that they will figure out a way for it to happen for you. Like you said, if it is meant to be, it will be. So we have talked off air about various things and we both kind of fall into this idea of constructing a personal pantheon of, of various spirits and gods of which you, you feel called to and, and feel that you should be working with. How did you go about assembling this or being chosen, however you prefer to think of it? When first, when I started doing more magic work with Dee, she doesn't actually really do worship gods and goddesses, but we do, I suppose, Mother Earth, the goddess in general. Um, I suppose it's more through my own research and so like around Sawain and um, Hecate is somebody I associate with or around in bulk, Bridget. Um, so sometimes I just do research. I feel like the characteristics of those gods or goddesses call to me um, a, a lot more through my journeying, um, which is a bit like it's a bit like a guided meditation um, I've kind of had connections um, or guidance from gods and goddesses that's the way of developing or sometimes I've just felt a calling towards certain gods like Shiva is is the Hindu god of he's a destroyer and fire and I'm a fire element so I do a lot of fire magic so that aspect of Shiva with fire being destruction, rebirth, letting go, transformation, those qualities um, just resonate with me. Yeah, I do think that it is a matter of resonance and matching attuning to use a musical term. Have you ever had an experience with any of these? Uh, powers as you've done your work or felt that you have um like i've 
called down the goddess before um, on a full moon. Um, that's been. It's hard to explain. Like I called down, and I was so charged with the energy. Um, it was kind of a bit surreal. It was like I wasn't embodied, not in my own body. Almost a bit like being drunk, in a way, with that distortion of it. Yeah, drunk with the energy. Very cool. So it sounds like you've advanced really rapidly over the last 11 years. How often do you actually get to, to practice and work on your craft? Um, it goes in peaks and troughs. Sometimes I do things every day, multiple times a day. Sometimes it can go months, I suppose. It just, um, I think you have to be in the right headspace and confident within yourself um, and just al aligned with the magical um energies um I've, so i have done a lot of practicing um over the years like i have my own i'm lucky i have my own altar and i have books and i have candles and lots of different things to help me and i suppose i have an innate ability an innate ability to work with magic and to work with energy if you were if you asked me to start doing gardening and herbs i'd be pants <laughs> i don't seem very good with trying to grow things or no so there are certain aspects of spellcraft and magic i'm not yeah as familiar with but what i i've kind of felt like i don't need to do everything because that would spread me out too thin in terms of like divination putting spells together energy work elemental magic candle magic had a lot of practice and i seem to have a natural ability and connection with that so like an affinity with that so that's what i tend to lean towards more if i want to do other things and um, i'll probably seek guidance from friends or people who i know who've got more experience in that area yeah, I think that that's a good way to look at it, too, is that if you find something that you're attuned to, to kind of stick with it, you don't have to master everything. There's no sense. And really, a lot of these tools are, are focuses and, you know, there, there's a way to do things through herbalistic magic and a way things to do things through fire magic. And they're not going to be exactly the same, but often you can get similar results. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. You can all you really need for magic is yourself. And your intention and you can set your intention and you are the ripple of change so you're asking the universe for something so it can just be as simple as you doing a visualization or sending out like a universal prayer um i like to use lots of different candles incenses rooms um to help me but they're only as good as a person actually casting the intention and sending it out into the world. Yeah. I, you know, I probably ought to assemble an altar here in my apartment. I don't have one. Uh, I'm, I do have a couple of candles and I've got several books and, and other accoutrements, but I don't really have an altar for a specific place and to set up everything. I should probably do that at some point. Yeah, I tend to find that helps me. It was hard when I was in university. You couldn't really have 
an altar or when I was living at my parents' house because it's not my own space. But since having my own house, it is nice to have an altar that I change um, according to the Sabbaths. And it's just a place that I feel at peace. So if I'm stressed out or I'm upset, even just sitting here meditating, looking through things can just help me kind of like recharge, reconnect and ground. We can have indoor, outdoor ones. Mine's quite elaborate. It goes over like three bookcases and a window and I've got pictures and candles and the backdrops and calendars and... My. Yeah, that is fairly intricate. <laughs> But it can just be as simple as like a little tray with a picture and a few things yeah. we connect, collected from nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree. It doesn't have to be anything super ornate. It's just good to have a dedicated space. Although, you know, if you got the room, you might as well go um, all in. That's a funny story. Um, I didn't have as much room and I was doing a cleansing spell and I cleansed so much um I had my altar and then I had like a linen cupboard full of all the bedding and towels I set it on fire and the fire brigade had to come and um put out help put out the fire so sometimes me fire don't always go sometimes it's a bit too enthusiastic <laughs> right right I now have a really big space for all my altar just inadvertently burnt down the um, <laughs> linen cupboard in, as well. Uh, fire can be greedy that way sometimes. Do you have like a fire pit or anything in your backyard? I mean, I don't know your living situation. Uh, no, I have a mini cauldron that I okay. use um, to do bits of fire or which, so I do do most of my fire work inside still. Um, I'd love a fire pit outside. Sometimes if I really need to do something, I'll do a barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about the moots, because I know that you recently attended one, and I believe actually even gave a presentation. Yes, I did. Um, so a friend of mine called John owns, like, a magical shop, spiritual shop in Halifax, and he hosts moots and he puts on so he asked me to do a talk and I did do a talk on mindfulness meditation and magic and self-care um unbeknownst to me I get to the shop to do the talk and he's like I'm a John's like oh by the way these college students are doing a documentary for different religions are they all right filming yeah how like, yeah, for sure. It was probably a good job that I didn't know beforehand, otherwise I probably just got worked up. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I wanted to do a talk for a while, but I, I wanted something that I, it resonated with me and that it felt personal to do, because I could probably do a talk on just about anything if I um, researched it enough, but it would be a bit dry I wouldn't yeah. really have like the passion behind it so it took me a long time to come up with the idea of doing it because last year I had a lot of stuff going on personally so trying to balance 
mad trying to balance my life, your job, spending time with your husband, spending time with yourself, with magic, my self-care. Sometimes it felt like it was juggling too much. Sure. And and then Dee um, had a book called The Witch's Book of Self-Care. So I picked it up off Amazon and I started looking through it and that helped me to kind of hook some of my self-care through my magical practice just so that I didn't feel like I was having to juggle too much. And how did you do that? I mean, a few specifics about incorporating self-care into the practice itself. Yeah, so one, well, one of the purposes of magic is about healing and balancing, recharging, and it's about connecting your energies with nature and the energy around yourself. Uh, for me, magic is about connecting to myself, listening to myself, my higher self. Um, and it's about in, empowering myself. It's about, you know, trying to find the most authentic self. So when most people, when they start having bouts of depression or anxiety or low moods, they kind of lose themselves. They lose their self-esteem or confidence or self-worth at times. Um, or things just feel too much. So for me, doing magic even, just sitting and meditating, doing divination, connecting with the energies, using crystals as a way of just balancing balancing the moods or directing the energies so I just try to incorporate the basics of self-care which cover like spiritual emotional mental physical and just try and incorporate it into the magic so a lot of the foundation the magic were already there for the self-care in terms of doing incense um, and meditation or visualizations or using certain crystals to help heal. And then the book had some really good spells that I felt like if I was struggling. So one of the spell one of the spells that I did was um, accepting the accepting my own boundaries. Um, and kind of accepting the kind of like the darker and the lighter aspects of yourself because most people either if you asked a friend what they thought of you, you they would see a very different you to how you would see yourself you seem to have a lot of compassion for the people but not for ourselves so one of the spells was write down everything that you saw or thought about yourself and one of mine might have been I'm really fat, which I'm not, but in my head, that's how I perceive myself. So you wrote positive and negative, and then you went back and then you looked at the reality of the statements. And actually, well, on the example of being really fat, I might have been slightly overweight for what I wanted to be, but that was more of the, so it was kind of helping put statements and looking at a true reflection of yourself 
a very distorted one. Some people can be very egotistical and think they're wonderful. And some people almost have like a very low self opinion of themselves or more negative. So it's trying to balance the dark or lighter aspects of yourself so that you see your true reflection and not a distorted one. Mm -hmm. I think that's very valuable and something that a lot of people should spend more time with, whether they're they are practicing magic or not, but I think it's especially important if you are, are will working, but finding that balance and getting outside your own head and valuing what you see in yourself, but also realizing what other people see because you can reflect incorrectly on your own worth, either positively or negatively. So I've been doing a lot of, so for me, I realised at work I didn't exactly have many boundaries. I was somebody who always said yes to everything. And most of the time that was okay, but sometimes that kind of impinged on me, my time or my own needs. So I had to start thinking about what boundaries I have in place with work, with food, with other stuff, just to kind of to acknowledge it's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to say this is what I will do, this is what I won't do, and to assert them and to, you know, feel like I can say no and not feel guilty about it. Um, it's taken a long time. I almost have like an inner turmoil within myself when, you know, if I ask to get do extra cover and I've said no, and it's like it's not always my responsibility to do to do it, and it's okay to say no. It's a bit like self care in and of itself um you know you deserve to do the self-care and a lot of people think they don't deserve or, or ever or you're too busy looking after everybody else that you don't take the time to look after yourself but it is okay to look after yourself it's important to look after yourself but it's necessary it's not a luxury you need to have some time in yourself it doesn't mean having a massive spa weekend or spending hundreds of pounds on um clothes about just taking the time to read a book go for a walk have a bath get an early night's sleep those are things that little and often throughout the day can help you just get through the day mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah. i i do think that uh as with most things, capitalism has kind of made an industry around self-care that doesn't reflect exactly what self-care needs to be. I mean, going on a spa every now and again, sure. I mean, who doesn't like to get a massage every now and again? But it doesn't have to be that. It can be, like you said, taking 15 minutes to, to read or to sit in quiet contemplation, listening to a favorite song, a quick bath, any of that stuff it can fall into self-care. Yeah, I think, like you say, you, you know, capitalism has taken over things. And self-care is like listening to your higher self, your higher needs, your authentic needs. Um, whether, you know, if you're hungry, eat something nutritious. It's a way of honouring yourself, honouring your body, your beliefs um, in a positive way. Right. So you've mentioned divination a few times. Mm -hmm. What types of divination do you practice? Um, I do 
I do tarot cards. At the moment, I've got a really lovely pair called Osho Zen Tarot, which are a bit different from the usual tarot. They seem to work more on accessing your higher self and not just... I, I do runes as well, um, pendu I use pendulums. Um, I suppose... For me, a form of div divination is journeying. So in the shamanic realms, you have like upper, lower, and middle. The lower world is more nature-based. The higher world is more angelic. And the middle world is on par with this world. But it's more your lower and upper world. If you journey there... Um, your guides and whatever you ask will always work for your highest good whereas on the middle world it's the realm of the fae and although they're not intrinsically good or bad they just are they may not always work for your higher good it's a bit like a tiger it might try and eat you it's not because it's evil it's just its nature right so as part of my shamanic course recently i've done past life healings so i will journey for somebody and i will find out the most relevant past life for them at their time and i look at the people and thoughts and their death and the beliefs and it can be quite intense and then you bring back things messages that they have and and then the second part of the healing is then making that past life body whole again to try and complete the healing so the person can let go so in terms so divination can also there are five other people in my group as well so they might ask can i ha i would like guidance on something and then a bit like a guided meditation i would meet my guides ask for the guidance and then I would see things, um, hear things um, and get message and guidance and symbolism and then I would bring that back and share it with the other person so that I suppose in a way is a form of divination it's just about using tools as a reflection of your self-conscious and to work out what's going on sometimes um it's very accurate my shamanic journey is uncannily accurate and sometimes i'm thinking well, i don't really know what that means and then i'll look up the symbolism or meaning it just fits in exactly whereas tarot um and other rooms um sometimes it can be uncannily accurate and really resonate and sometimes i can lose them and i don't have any idea how that relates sure so it's not an exact an exact science and um, like i said deanne's very very good at doing tarot and she's does mine a lot because she just seems to be able to look into messages and perceptions and think of things more than what i can see mm -hmm. yeah well i mean she's also been working with with tarot for quite some time uh, yeah I think that it's like anything, the more, more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, I'm curious about the shamanic journey, because at least amongst some Americans, there is a perception of the shamanic journey as incorporating um, 
psychedelic substances such as peyote or ayahuasca or that kind of thing. Um, is that how you're using the term or is it something no, different for you? Um, in some cultures they do do that and I'm sure there are some in the UK who use what we do it more to, the beat of a drum. So the frequency and the pitch and how fast it goes and kind the different pitches and the different beats put you into a different state so you have one drum beat that like starts off prepares you you have it changes to become really really fast and that's a signal to kind of journey to the upper lower or middle it then changes for however long usually most of six minutes if it's a longer if it's like a past life or an ancestral healing they will be about 15 minutes because there's a lot more information and that will be like a different beat and then again when it's time to change and come out of the i suppose like a trance or then again the beat changes so that you can kind of like mentally come out of the journey in, into this level of consciousness Okay. Well, pretty interesting. Now, do you is this something that you do with someone playing the drums live, or is it something that you do use like a an audio track for? Either. So when I do my shamanic, when I go on my shamanic weekends, um, the teachers will drum live, but I also do it via YouTube, or audio is just as effective. It's just about that particular like frequency and yeah. the beat. Um, I t I can also um I've got that used to journey and I can do it with a drum as well. I can kind of just get my mind into meeting my guides, doing the journey, going wherever, getting the guidance, and coming back out when it's time, even without anything. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever found in your work with past lives, because I don't consider myself a past life worker, but there was a time when I could kind of see them. And I think it was just that the past life of the person that I was working with really wanted to be known more than anything. Because um, usually the candle magic that I do reveals more spirit totems than it does past lives. Mm -hmm. But this time it, it did reveal past life. But it seemed like there were two different past lives that were kind of in conflict with each other, that there was a dynamic mm -hmm. tension between the two of them. Have you ever encountered that before? Um, I've not had that before. I suppose when people think of wanting past lives, they think hopefully they're going to meet someone rich and famous. But for the purpose of the past life work I do, I do past life healing. That's the most relevant for that person at that time. So I believe you have... I don't know how many you've had. So the past life could be male, female. It could have been from like 50 years ago. It could have been from thousands of years ago. When on the course, because we had to practice on each other to get the formatting and experience, the person that brought my past life was me as a 15-year-old boy in America about 100 years ago. And there was um, un unresolved issues um, with um, parenting and things like that. But I suppose your past life, the only thing I'd say with the conflict of 
past lives is it's more ancestral work. So the last four weekend we did we did ancestral um, curses. So it's not I suppose in the past they may have cursed, but it's some it's a part of you now that doesn't necessarily belong to you, and it's and it actually stems back through the ancestral line. So for me, mine was about obsession and fixation and control. And when I journeyed back to the root of that, it was a medieval time and this person was a serf tied to the land and because they had so little control over their life, they controlled what they could. But through the years, that's been passed down through each generation and it's become magnified and amplified to a point where at the I don't have it as much anymore, but I had OCD and I got very fixated and I would have meltdowns if things didn't go entirely my way. I'd like lost all spontaneity in, in my life because I was so fixated with the idea of control. Um, but that wasn't me. It had been passed down through the ages. It, um, there were traits I could see my mum and my granddad um, and through being able to recognise where it had come from, you can you were then kind of like the torchbearer for everybody in your ancestral line, mm. future and past and living to kind of break that trait that had become so debilitating. Um, and then we did kind of like an extraction of that. So I think even... We've all lived past lives as well, and even ancestral. So there are things that are in past lives that are unresolved or things that have happened and they can kind of like move forward into other lives and there, could, and there can be conflicts that way. Yeah. That's something, like I said, I, I've very rarely worked with and I've never even had a... Uh, a past life regression on myself then. So I really don't have any idea what any of mine may or may not have been, but maybe someday I will. Mm. So you had mentioned that you are primarily a solo worker, although you do have the other five people who are going along the shamanic path with you. Mm -hmm. Do you also then, and then you work with Deanne. So it's almost like you have, you are a solo practitioner, but you also have a coven and a circle that are interdependent of each other. Yeah, I do. Like I said, Diane was, because she was older than me, she had a lot more experience and I became kind of like her mentor -y. And so she, we worked together and we had a lot of the same ethics. Um, so that's how I learned a lot of the practical side of magic and to gain the skill and the art and develop that way so that's I suppose why I'm eclectic because I do do I suppose more traditional magic and energy work but again through moving I was exposed to different paths and I just felt like the I was being called to do the shamanic path and the more and more I do it and I kind of just there was a time when I kind of thought would be kind of 
clash with each other or cause a conflict, but I just accept, well, this is the path I'm meant to follow and I can still do my shamanic healings and I can do my work with D, I can do my work on my own. This is just me and my path and my authentic self and this is just how it is for me. For other people, it can be very different, but that is one of the beauty of pagan path. There is, you'll never meet a pagan that's entirely the same. One of my close friends used to be um, a priest, mm-hmm. um, a Christian priest, So, but he still classes himself as pagan. He doesn't maybe do as much practical magic as I do, but in terms of his beliefs, um, especially the folklore um, for where he lived in Cornwall um, and the West Country. So you're if you ever go to big conventions, I don't know whether they have them in America, you'll you'll never meet one pagan that's the same. They'll always have pagan is kind of just like a big umbrella term, a bit like Christianity. Yeah. And then within that there's lots of different paths and so most people will have um, you know, a respect for nature and believe in energy, may believe in like the god or the goddess, but then there'll be lots of different beliefs, but it doesn't really matter. No, that's um, very true. Um, and, and we do have them on occasion. I haven't been to one. I was actually thinking about going to one this year, but uh, with the situation with COVID-19, I'm afraid mm-hmm. it's going to wind up being canceled. Um, but there's a yearly hex fest that they have in New Orleans that is kind of open to anyone. And then there are some others. There are some that are more focused. Like I know that there is a heathen group, which they call themselves that um, as followers of the Nordic paths um, that get together sometimes. And I think then generally it is everybody who is following the Astreyu or one of the other Norse gods, but I'm sure there are several others that you just don't hear about. Mm. Do you have any totems that you normally work with? Any animal spirits? Yeah, so my main animal guide that stays with me, that is just a part of me, is an eagle. So every time I journey, I see an eagle. Um, You also merge with your higher self um, when you journey to my higher self is a cat, any form of cat being domestic or wild. If I journey to the upper world, um, I will see a phoenix. If I go to the middle world, I have um, a fairy who sometimes comes to me looking like a fairy or as a dragonfly. And then I have different um guides for different just hang so for different healings you'll have different guides so for like doing soul retrieval work um i see a massive green turquoisey dragon when i did ancestral work i met an ancestor who I connected with called, she was a medieval um, 
high nobility called Alfleda. Um, again, ancestral guides. Um, one of my other ones is called Eyes of a Wolf. She looks like a Native American. Um, for my doing extraction guide, um, it's a shapeshifter. So I just kind of feel this really intense primordial energy. So depending on what kind of healings I will do, I do work with specific guides and depending on what you're going through in your life um, at that time you may certain animals or certain people to come and help you and that could be for years depending on what it is you're going through or, or it could be just a few days just to help you through that yeah that's what i've always found with spirit guides too is that they can be with you for a very long time or sometimes just one lesson for lack of a better term and it comes as no surprise with your association of, with Deanne. <laughs> the cat is one of them. I have found that sometimes when you get with people um, and develop really strong friendships with them, that there is sometimes a bleed over in, in the, the spirits. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes you can almost guess other people's spirits or not guess but you can just get an instinct and sometimes I've thought people would have certain spirits and they haven't and they've had something completely different so I suppose with shamanic work and working with guides you have to trust whatever's being presented and sometimes it can be a bit surreal because you're kind of seeing things and you're almost thinking have I just willfully conjured that up because that's what I wanted or is that actually what it's meant to be and that's why usually you do end up checking with the guides um, especially when you're first making that acquaintance um, and connection you check with them three times just to reaffirm are they your guides um, sometimes other guys can come to you or you may see other things and they may work with you at another point in the line but it's always good to kind of check with your guides um when you do see imagery or you see symbolism and you're not sure or even when you meet it's always good to just check with them and they will either confirm yes confirm no not always in words um about whether they are meant to work with you or clarify what you're seeing Well, all right. I have had you on the line uh, for about an hour now. So after a, bit, after a glitchy start, I, and with my laptop, I think it must be I'm, I must be part fay because every time I touch a laptop, it just malfunctions, and my husband comes along and it just works beautifully for him. So, and that is entirely possible. Um, I know that I had a a period. Thankfully, it's gone, but I had a period there for a couple of years that glass would just break around me, whether I was doing anything or not. Like I had a, a globe that had a flower in it that um, my mom had got me for a birthday or something. And I was walking by it one day and it just shattered. And there were 
several other instances of glass breakage that resulted in various cuts and stitches that had to be received. Mm. And I don't know what it was, but I'm certainly glad that it's gone. Yeah. It can even be fairies or um, spirits about the house being mischievous or just being clumsy, which hopefully I'm not, but I do tend to break a lot of things. And sometimes it's a logical and other times I'm just like, I just don't think the fairies because I do ward my house and I ward myself to make sure that nothing can cause me malevolent intent can cause any harm. But I suppose sometimes there are gaps there. I feel the more you work with energies, you can be drawn to negative and positive. So it is always good to kind of like create a magical shield that protects you from energies yeah no i completely agree with that and well this it's kind of like anything honestly it, and it, not only do you need the protection from energies but you also just need the downtime because it can be like working with magic or spirits or anything can be like a job and that if you allow it to it can consume you um, mm. so if you don't set up boundaries then you will find that you're doing stuff all the time yeah, and that's not a good thing because it drains your energy um, and takes a lot out of you. It doesn't help other energies either. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, thank you for joining me, Chloe. Um, do you have any social media or anything that you would like to promote? Um, not really. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm called Chloe Elizabeth just because I work in a school so it's easy not putting my full name um, if anyone's interested um, it's been lovely talking to you as well I've heard a lot about you um, before from Deanne but I've obviously never met you so yes. you know maybe one day in the future when all the coronavirus is gone <laughs> yeah I would love that I would love to get over there and meet you as well and Perhaps since we do have some similar loops, we can even work on something sometime. Mm. Right. This has been your voice from the void. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Chloe, for being on. And we will catch you when the signal returns. <laughs>